0: Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. Featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. One day, Jesus, I imagine, was relaxing with his disciples. You know, when you come to Matthew chapter 15, and right in the middle of the chapter, you see this story that begins with basically Jesus taking a bit of a mini vacation. Think about it. He daily dealt with person after person, healing this person, ministering to this person, removing demons from that person. Amazing work, but constantly pressed by people. He was surrounded by people practically every waking hour. By this time in Matthew chapter 15, the Bible says that Jesus is is just pressed upon by the massive amounts of crowds that are following him everywhere he went. And he was currently ministering around and near the Sea of Galilee, serving people and meeting their needs. It must have been exhausting for Jesus to maintain this level of work among the people. Well, thankfully, there were times Jesus did get away. And when he did get away, he would often go into the desert or uninhabited regions to pray and, and talk to his father. But there were other times he would take his disciples with him as well, you know, the inner 12. They would go to some spot to get away from the mass of crowds demanding so much of Jesus' time and the disciples' time. So here in Matthew 15, we find a story about Jesus who is about to depart to get away and spend time just with him and his disciples. Now, he was going to a place in the region of Tyre and Sidon. That's what Matthew 15 says, that he was going to a place somewhere in the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, those are two cities, and basically, this meant he was going to an area outside of Israel, and it also meant he was probably going to a place on the Mediterranean coast. Sounds very much like a vacation, right, or a holiday. Jesus needed to get away to relax, and so that's what he did. You know he just happened to bring along twelve of his best friends as well and they They went to the Mediterranean coast to refresh, think, talk theology, pray. I mean, what an awesome time to get away. Well, I can imagine one morning during this mini holiday, Jesus gets up to eat some breakfast and to go out and look at the beautiful scenery that he had created, by the way. I always think that's funny, you know? He's probably imagining or looking out at the beautiful Mediterranean Sea and thinking, I created that. Jesus is the creator of everything, right? Well, I imagine Jesus is standing out and watching the ocean waves splash back and forth. Or maybe he's even going for a walk on the beach with some of the disciples who are up early, you know. And I just imagine they're out there, sipping their coffees, tasting their kosher lattes, and then they hear it for the first time. Oh, oh. I don't know exactly what it sounded like. A long wail of sadness. Oh, please, please heal my daughter. Please, please heal my daughter. I can imagine a long wail of silence followed by a plea for Jesus to do something. And it stops, maybe for about five seconds, 10 seconds, a minute. And You know, while the person catches their breath, and then it happens again. It starts right back up. Please, Jesus, do something. Please move miraculously for my daughter. Please, Jesus, please help my daughter. Please, please help my daughter. Please, I beg you, help me. You know, I can imagine Jesus then turns and looks, and it was a woman calling out, And wailing louder and louder. And maybe she was carrying her daughter in her arms. See, the problem was, the daughter was demon-possessed. And she was troubled by this demon. And so this Gentile woman is crying out, Please, Jesus, please heal my daughter. Well, Jesus didn't respond. But this woman would not give up. She keeps on wailing and wailing, and she kept on crying out for God to help, for Jesus to help. She did not give up. I think this went on for a while. And wherever Jesus and the disciples went, there she was. Please, son of David, heal my daughter. You know, they're at the local McDonald's. Please, son of David, heal my daughter. They're doing their laundry at the laundromat. Please, son of David, heal my daughter. You know, oh man, that would get old, right? Wailing and screaming at the top of her lungs. And now it's interesting that she calls Jesus the son of David. If you use that term, you're essentially saying that Jesus fulfilled the requirements to be the Messiah. He was the one mentioned by Daniel in the book of Daniel, because that's where you get that phrase from. And so essentially, this woman is agreeing with the book of Daniel and that Jesus is a man who is the Messiah, who's going to change the world. And in the face of all that, she's crying out, please heal my daughter please heal my daughter please it says in matthew 15:22 she cries out have mercy on me lord son of david my daughter is severely tormented by demons man this goes on now, i don't know for how long maybe a day maybe a couple of days, maybe a couple of hours, because you can only handle so much screaming at the top of your lungs before you start to get tired. Well, it got bad enough that the disciples finally say to Jesus, hey, please heal this woman's daughter. She won't shut up. Please heal her. But Jesus, guess what? He doesn't heal her daughter. He doesn't, not at first. And the reason is, Well, he says it plainly enough. He says in Matthew 15, verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not going to heal her because I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, what Jesus was telling the disciples is that at this point in his ministry, the father wanted him to only present the good news of the kingdom to the Jewish people, the lost sheep of Israel. Now notice there were some sheep who were in the fold, right? There were some Jewish people, some of those 12 disciples themselves who had heard Jesus' preaching and had decided to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But there were many, many Jews who did not see Jesus as their Lord and Messiah and were still rejecting him. And so God the Father had called Jesus to the Jewish people and only the Jewish people at this point. Now, Here's the problem. The woman crying out and the girl tormented with demons, they were both Gentiles. In fact, Matthew calls her a Canaanite, and Canaanites were the sworn enemies of the people of Israel. In fact, they were ancient enemies that their ancestor Joshua had fought and removed from the land, and they weren't Jewish, and they had no claim to a covenant with Yahweh. So Jesus reminds his disciples here that he's been called to reach the people of Israel, not those outside the covenant with Yahweh. But it's interesting. A woman who was a member of Israel's oldest enemy came to Jesus for healing. She was part of a culture that hated Yahweh, part of a culture that worshipped other gods, but she knew enough of their theology to call Jesus son of David. And she knew enough of who Jesus was, and maybe she was becoming convinced that Jesus truly was the son of God, the Messiah, and that all other gods are fake, and that she needs to put her faith and trust in this amazing messiah called jesus i think she's slowly coming to faith and so that's why she brings her daughter to jesus jesus she's realizing is the only one who can help her now jesus has healed gentiles before but it's interesting so far he's only healed gentiles those people outside the jewish faith right are called gentiles he's healed gentiles only in jewish territory. But here he was in Gentile territory. And would he heal the daughter of this Gentile woman? Now, I think the readers of Matthew, hearing this story, they would have been deeply interested in what is Jesus going to do? Would his blessing extend beyond the borders of Israel? Beyond the Jewish people? Well, after the woman begs and begs, the woman finally, I don't know if Jesus and his disciples were walking down the road at whatever town they were overlooking the Mediterranean. And then all of a sudden, I can imagine the woman rushes out. And she stops Jesus. And then she falls to her knees. And and she says simply three words. Lord, help me. She was desperate. Desperate for his help. She bows, right? She shows him honor. She shows that she humbles himself before the king of kings. And at the end of it, like I said, she simply says three words according to scripture. She says, Lord, help me. We've all been there, right? We've begged and begged and begged God to move. We've pleaded with Jesus to move on our behalf. Finally, we come to a place in our lives where all we can say is, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I'm at the end of my rope. Please help me. You know, if as a parent you've ever seen your children suffer, you know exactly how this feels. The sadness, the desperation. All you can say is, Lord, help me. That is where this woman was. She was tired of seeing her daughter being attacked and tormented by demonic forces. Maybe this girl had chosen to go after those demonic spirits herself. Maybe this was her own fault. She got involved in supernatural, demonic things she should never have meddled with. I don't know. But this mother is still pleading for her daughter. And at this point, they don't care why it happened. They just go to the one person they know that can solve their problems, that can help them. And so she cries out, the mother does, on her knees before God, Lord, help me. Well, Jesus, in response, he gives a response that sounds like a very harsh, uncaring one, right? It's found in Matthew 15, verse 26. Jesus says, It isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. That sounds cold, right? But Jesus is using a metaphor To explain what he's doing, he's using the metaphor of a family dinner. So imagine the whole family sitting around enjoying a meal together. The dad eats and the mom eats, even grandma and grandpa eat. It's good food and tastes great, and man, it is filling. But just as the children reach to eat their food, the father, I can imagine, reaches across the table, takes their food away, and instead of giving it to the children, tosses it To the dogs, who are probably begging at the table, begging under the table, begging under the chairs. And of course, the minute that food hits the floor, the dogs, they gobble it right up. Well, the children look shocked and stare at their dad. And then I can imagine they probably start crying because now they have no food to eat. It's gone. So Jesus is saying, is that fair? Should he take the gospel, represented by the food, and feed it to dogs? And who he's saying the dogs are are those outside of Israel. He's saying the Gentiles are dogs. Should he take food meant for Israel and feed it to the Gentiles, the dogs, leaving the children Israel hungry? God wanted his people to follow him and and this good news of salvation needed to be offered first to the Jewish people. Should he be giving it to the dogs, the Gentiles, before he's even given it to his children, the rest of his family, the Jewish people, Israel? That's what he's asking her. Well, then the woman, she responds with an answer. That I think shows she understands the gospel and who Jesus was. And she is a great woman of faith because she says in Matthew 15, verse 27, Yes, Lord, she said, Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. So imagine that. Again, Matthew 15, verse 27, it says again, Yes, Lord, she said. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. End quote. She begins by agreeing with Jesus. Yes, Lord, you are right. The gospel needs to be presented to the Jewish people first. She doesn't complain that God is being unfair by not presenting the gospel to everyone. She doesn't whine and throw a fit. Instead, she agrees and then adds that as a gentile dog she is eligible to receive crumbs and in those crumbs would be covenant blessings right she takes the metaphor that jesus uses and and she just ran with it yes she wasn't worthy to be part of the family yes she should not be allowed at the family table. But even dogs, us Gentiles underneath the table begging for food, but even dogs get a crumb now and then. She's smart. Man, I have a dog named Pepper who always sits by me during mealtime. Why? Because she hopes to just get a little tidbit of this scrumptious delight of whatever I'm eating. She doesn't get the full meal, but she does get the T-bone or the parts of the casserole but you know what happens i'll give her just a little morsel of my steak, right she doesn't get the whole meal but pepper is blessed in what she does receive and that's what this woman is saying I do not deserve to be at the table. Me and my daughter don't deserve to be part of that family. But I would be blessed if I could just get a morsel, a tidbit, a sample of the blessings the Jews receive because they are part of the family of Yahweh. Man, this shows great faith in the woman. She put faith in Jesus that he was the Messiah. She put her faith in his message. And she put her faith in the blessings that come from the kingdom of God that he is presenting. Man, in the face of such faith and such a brilliant understanding and such a turn of phrase and and how this woman would not give up, I think Jesus must have smiled and laughed with joy. For here was a Gentile who got it. Now, think about it. He had just been confronted earlier in this chapter by some Pharisees, and maybe he'd been confronted by them a couple of days earlier, a couple of weeks earlier. I don't know. The Pharisees and the scribes didn't get it, and they rejected Jesus. They hated him. But here, now before him, was a Gentile, a non-Jewish woman, who had better understanding than all those educated Jewish religious leaders. So Jesus responds with a gentle answer, I imagine. and says, woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. Matthew 15, verse 28. And the Bible says, from that moment onwards, her daughter was healed. The demon left her. What faith in Jesus displayed by a Gentile pagan enemy of Israel? This was showing, I think, to the readers that the gospel was beginning to go beyond the borders of Israel. This woman started out as a pagan enemy of Israel. But through understanding Jesus, through watching what he does, she realized that this is Lord and Savior and Messiah, and she put her faith and trust in him. And this is a Gentile, non-Jewish woman who is grasping the gospel. And I think this would have shown to the readers of Matthew, especially the Jewish readers of Matthew, that the gospel is going to go beyond the borders of Israel. Well, to make that point even further, the next story is where Jesus and the disciples feed a whole bunch of people again. But they're not just people. They're about to feed 4,000 plus Gentiles. See, later on, after this whole incident with the woman, Jesus moves on and begins to work miracles in that whole Gentile region. Well, he goes up on a mountain and the people, again, 90% of them are going to be Gentiles. They follow him up there and they're learning from him. They're being healed by him. And and these Gentile people stayed with Jesus for three long days. And at the end of it, Jesus tells the disciples that he does not want to send these people away hungry and that they should be fed. And and he asks the disciples, what is there to feed these 4,000 plus, probably again, 10,000, 15,000 people? What is there to feed them? Well, according to the story in Matthew, the disciples sort of look confused. They don't have an answer. Now, I keep thinking, how short is their memory? They had just fed 5,000 plus with five loaves and two fishes. Why did they not think, well, let's do that again here. Find some loaves, find some fishes, steal some kids' lunchbox, I don't know, and bring it to Jesus to multiply and feed the people. But they don't. They once again are paralyzed by the fear of having to feed all these people. How do they not think back to that moment? They have such short memories, the disciples do. But then I think I'm a lot like the disciples. Man, I have such a short memory. I end up in the same situations, and each time I forget how God provided in the past. I forget what God just accomplished for me and get angry and mad and worried. For instance, I still remember the time my wife and I found a dishwasher at a store and we wanted that dishwasher. It was perfect. It was like given to us from God. But when we went to buy it, we found out it had already been bought. It was spoken for. Someone else had already claimed it. Man, I was so disappointed so sad it ruined my day it seems so unfair the perfect dishwasher and yet we couldn't buy it man god's not fair i was so discouraged but how quickly i forgot you know what i forgot is that a couple months earlier god had provided the perfect house for us. That's why we needed to buy a dishwasher because God had miraculously provided us a house we didn't deserve, but he gave us this awesome house with land and this is why we had to buy a dishwasher and that was miraculous how the Lord provided for us. Had I forgotten how God had taken care of me and my family? Had I forgotten about this wonderful house? Where was my biblical memory? quickly i had forgotten the blessings of the lord well i wonder if jesus just shook his head and rolled his eyes inside or did he laugh and smile then shake his head how could these guys have forgotten so much so quickly so jesus asked the disciples what food did they have well, the disciples scrounge up some food, and they found after looking at everybody's lunchbox and brown paper bag that they had seven loaves. and The Bible says a small number of fish. So Jesus took the loaves and the fish and prayed and gave thanks to God for the meal. Then he began to pass them out. One loaf, one fish, another loaf, another fish another loaf, another fish, and so on and so on, just like last time, until all the people were fed. And the Bible says after feeding everybody, they still had seven baskets full left over of fish and bread. You know, I wonder if halfway through this whole event, the disciples remembered, oh yeah, this is how Jesus provides. I remember this. Yes, we fed all those people before. Why didn't I think that? They think slap in their heads, you know? Now, I keep thinking, instead of finding loaves and fish, I would have tried to find fried chicken and bread or fried chicken and waffles and make Jesus multiply that, right? You know? Either way, I wonder if they hit themselves in the head for not remembering what Jesus had done earlier. What he had done for the 5,000 plus, he certainly would do that in this situation. And why didn't they remember that? But the other interesting thing is, these people were primarily Gentiles. And this whole miracle, the feeding of the 4,000, took place in Gentile territory. And here I think Matthew is hinting to the readers, to the Jewish readers of his gospel, at the fact that the feast of the gospel of the kingdom is now about to go from just a feast for the Jews. Now it's going to soon be a feast for everyone who chooses Jesus. Before, remember, Jesus uses a metaphor. Why should I give my food to dogs? I should only give my food to the people of Israel. And now he's given his food to the Gentiles. He's given his food beyond the house of Israel. And I just think that's a wonderful story. And I am so thankful that the gospel that Jesus saves didn't just stay with Israel. And even if I am a dog in this metaphor, I am so thankful for the crumbs of the covenant but the wonderful thing is, we don't just get the crumbs. No. Jesus, by dying on the cross, tore that veil in two and now invites everyone who will put their faith and trust, their believing loyalty on Jesus. If you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, welcome to the banquet. You're no longer a dog. No. You're now. A member of the family, a full fledged member of the family. Come on, sit down and let's eat. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast.